We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. All right, and we're live. We're recorded or whatever. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's Friday. It's our not our not our usual recording day. No, it's not. We're getting all crazy over here. Yeah. Yeah. We everybody was either too sick or not with COVID. Sick with there are other things to be sick with. And who knew? To record yesterday, so we are doing it this Friday. Even though Friday. Does Friday, Friday just like a regular weekday for you guys? What? Um, I don't know. It's like weekend junior. I so try to stay home. Wind down, wind down your week on Fridays? I do. I mean, well, I think it's that Fridays I usually plan to be at home. Like I try to plan it to be at home. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I try and cram like the active errand running into Monday to Thursday. Friday, I attempt to actively not do errand running. Mm. That's about it. How about you? Fridays is the day that I like to clean. And, and that's the day when I do errands, things that have to do with the house. Um, Monday to Thursday, I mostly do, not that I don't do any work stuff on Friday, but I try to do as few work things as possible on Friday so that I can concentrate on the house, like tidying up the house and getting groceries or clearing up the car or whatever, depending on what needs to be done. My car is a fucking disaster. Oh my God. It's such a disgrace. I'm embarrassed. Anybody, nobody can come in. I can't give anybody a lift. So don't even ask. <laughs> My car is so gross. I can't, I can't. Yeah. So, so that's today. Hopefully I'm going to do that at some point. If it doesn't start to snow or something. How mm. about you, Kim? How's your Friday looking? Not great. <laughs> not great. No, it has not been a great week, has it? nope <laughs> i'm not gonna have much input today just so you guys know so don't if... are we just gonna what we want you, you to like orchestrate and lead and facilitate this whole thing with vibrancy and sparkle not today not i don't today? know what i'm i have to teach tomorrow and this is pretty much what you're gonna get so i feel incredibly <laughs> bad for those people oh well they'll survive um <laughs> You're teaching class two tomorrow, right? Is it class two? No, class one. It's a new class. I don't know. I forget. That other pe- those other people who those, those other people were should have taken last week's class two, but they didn't. And of course they didn't get Wednesday's class either because I canceled it. So sorry about sorry about your luck. I did I did not panic, but I they were fleetingly across my mind. But uh I forgot that's right. They were supposed to take Tuesday and Wednesday and then they'd be done. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> oh, well, too bad. So sad. Next time, don't plan your things so close to your due date. Well, that's just it. I mean, weekend classes were available. Why would you not pick one of those? 
And honestly, they're not having an induction. They're just paranoid. Well, she's going to be there next week. She's going to be there next week on, yeah. on, she's going to be there for Tuesday's class. Cause she's going to have to be, it's the only way that she's going to get. And aren't I so lucky she'll say, like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's probably the way it was going to go anyways but okay why do doctors say to people oh i think you're going to go early why do doctors say that just stop saying that just stop fucking saying that don't make predictions about um when people are going to deliver because you don't know so she said that her doctor said that's so much bullshit get the vaginal exam and they get their you know quote unquote service cervix checked um for progress and it's like before you're in labor you're not in labor it does not matter what your cervix looks like before Before you're in labor labor, you're you're not in labor wow that's that is a very prophetic statement can we also not can we also stop telling birthing parents that even when they're like two centimeters dilated and their contractions are every you know three minutes and they're like registering them at an eight can we stop telling them when you're not in labor yeah yeah fuck off you are laboring stop stop making comments at all about whether people are in labor or not in labor if the hospital has criteria that people have to meet and i know they do don't say if you're not in labor we won't admit just say you need to be x number of centimeters like be specific about it and then that's what i say in my classes um, we don't want to admit you because you you don't fit our criteria yet. You you need to be X number of, of centimeters or whatever the criteria is. But don't tell people you're not in labor. People have been having contractions for two days, and um, you know, oh well, I've heard them say it so many times. Well, you know, we're hoping that this is going to put you in labor. And I see my client's face like, what? You mean I'm not in labor? This is not labor. What I've been doing for the last it is. It means labor means work. You've been working. For the last two days, yes, you are laboring. Never mind what she's. And I always have to go back and say, according to their criteria, this is what their definition of labor is. But yes, you are. Don't worry, you are in labor. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this doctor probably said to my client, not my client, the person in my class. Um, oh yeah, I think you're going to deliver early, and they ran with that shit. So I asked them. So were you told that you needed an induction and that you, your, your induction date was going to be, you know, close? No, that's not it. Oh, okay. I didn't ask anymore. So there's no induction. The doctor I just said, oh, I think you're going to go over I know this is terrible and I know it's terrible. I'm a bad doula. I don't know why anybody would even hire me half the time. But when somebody says, oh yeah, I'm going to go early. I go, oh, isn't that cute that you think that? <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> maybe you will yeah maybe you will look cute it ain't even happening. though the majority of people go over but maybe you are special <laughs> maybe you're one of the 30 <laughs> percent whatever you know coming from my mom who went you know one week early like she's a 39 weeker and my mom having like no labor she thought she had digestive upset um, and shooting out giant babies, it was quite a wake-up call to be a 43-weeker with my first and, and still have a kid who was smaller than me. You know, like, 
So I was also, you know, really looking forward to hitting 43 weeks and being able to have like a giant fat turkey baby. I was hoping for like a good 10 pounder, you know, and I get this seven pound, 15 ounce kid. I'm like, seriously, I waited, I, I did 43 weeks and I got like under eight pounds by an ounce. This is insulting. <laughs> under under eight pounds i gotta spit that out like a watermelon seed yeah i wanted when i was having my first baby i desperately wanted a nice tiny little baby i was imagining like a six pound baby i thought six pounds was a very nice weight instead i had this giant 23 inch eight and a half pound baby 23 oh inches how is that even possible oh, and he weighed um eight pounds nine ounces so even he probably would have been a six pounder if he didn't have all those extra I was, inches. I was horrified. Yeah, exactly. If he had maybe like three pounds less on him, then maybe he would have A couple of pounds been. of legs. <laughs> well, that's all he is now is now he's six four. So it kind of made sense. But I was as a 17 year old who just pushed this baby out of her body. I was like, what the, what did I do to make it so big? All those fries you're eating in the cafeteria during uh, lunch break teen mom that's what oh my god i loved our high school's fries and gravy we only oh, high school them. cafeteria fries and gravy is absolutely the best also meat pies meat pies and gravy yes. yeah people complain about our cafeteria's school food in north york from the north york board of education was delicious so delicious <laughs> i, I dream about anything except the fries and gravy and the meat pies but I think meat patties actually, but that was it. Oh, we had the best fish and chips that could rival all fish and chips places. You could tell Will that I said that too. <laughs> did Will get my hello from the people at his work? When did you give it? When, when was I there? I can't remember. Where was I coming from at night? <laughs> Seriously, where the hell was I coming from at night? Tuesday? I can't remember. No. no, no, no. It no, was you were a working. good like two weeks ago. Oh, I don't know. It was a good two weeks ago. So you ask Will, didn't anybody at work tell you that a lady came in and said that <laughs> Will is the best? Will is the I only want Will to make my fries, my chips, and <laughs> my fish and chips, but he's just not here now. So I'm forced to, to accept other people's <laughs> fish and chips. Yeah, I made a big deal. And she's like, yes, I'm going to make sure I tell him for sure. So ask him. That was me. <laughs> okay. I really thought it was his grandma. Give him a raise. Give him a raise. He's gotten like a couple of them since he's been there and he's been there less than a year. Well, they need yeah. to give him another raise. So, yeah. Now it's going to drive me crazy. Where was I? It was dark. Night. So I don't go out. It gets at dark night. at three now. I mean, it didn't necessarily mean it was night. <laughs> it's true. Doesn't mean it's night just because it's dark. That's true came out of the hospital on Wednesday and I'm like, what the fuck? It wasn't, where'd the sun go? I haven't been here that long. Yeah, no, it was, it was like 10 to five and it was like black, dark. Fuck. God. Because hey. I was over in that area. Yeah. So where in the world was I coming from? I That's have- Mentor meeting? Huh? Are you mentoring or- my mentor, all my mentoring meeting stuff is online. And the one in-person prenatal that I did, that person lives in Whitby. That's so the other way. I went the other way. Mm. Oh, well. 
I'm sure it'll come so to you. Was it a client related thing? I got to check my calendar because that's going to drive me insane. <laughs> you will not sleep tonight until you know. I won't. And then you'll want to go get fish and chips again. Well, yes. And I can't. It is Friday. Did you guys have fish and chips on Friday when you're growing up? No. I never had fish and chips as a kid. Never. No, we had it every Friday until my mom married my dad. We're super anti-religious. <laughs> oh, is that a fish? Is Oh, fish. It's a, yeah. a, a Catholic thing. You fish yeah. on Fridays. No, we didn't have fish on Fridays. I mean, if we did, it was because, you know, somebody got paid. It wasn't. <laughs> the first I time I had fish and chips was at Howard Johnson's. My mom was a waitress at Howard Johnson's. Oh, my gosh. And I, it was the most delicious thing ever. I the thought, Hojo's um, over on Markham? No, listen, oh. this was a long time ago. Howard Johnson's, we didn't live in Scarborough until I was 20. So oh it was Howard God. Johnson's at Keelan Finch because we lived at Bathurst and Finch. Right. So my mom used to be a waitress there. And I had my very first fish and chips there, my first spaghetti and meatballs and my first milkshake and ice cream sundae at... At, at Hojo, at Hojo, where my mom worked until she was six months pregnant with my sister and had to quit because her varicose veins were going to explode. Oh, no, varicose veins in her legs were going to, yeah, explode. So, yeah, that's my fish and chips history. Yeah, I literally don't remember a time I did not have it. So someone probably just shoved it in my face when I was a, a baby sitting in a high chair somewhere and said, "This is what we eat on Friday." get used to this get used to this tradition lassie then my well, dad came around know, that's that's not a, it's fish and chips are not a scottish or an irish thing they're an english thing yeah fish and chips the scottish make fish and chips do they saint yeah. andrew saint and andrew's chips. scottish in the scottish yeah. islands right yeah. next door to the button ben yep yep <laughs> We so, used to have on Fridays. On Fridays, we would have a Jamaican dish called stew peas, where my mom, my mom would make stew peas every. She still does every Friday. That's what she would make stew peas. Very, very cheap uh, food. You can do it vegetarian with just beans and rice, um, or you could put meat in it if you so desire. Cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. Shall we do our land acknowledgement? I think it's you this week, Steph. I think. I think you are correct. It is me this week. Good, I'm not ready. All right. Hold on one sec. Oh. Have a little indigestion today. We would like to begin by acknowledging that the land on which we gather and which the, sorry, on the land on which we gather is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, indigenous peoples inhabited and cared for this land. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek the Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, Ojibwe, and Chippewa peoples, the land that is home to the Métis, and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. We're grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land, to live on this land, and to raise our families here. And by doing so, we give respect to its first inhabitants and true founders. I feel you. like saying amen or something after that. I know. I it's was going to say, like you were praying just a second ago, like you were just listening and praying. And well, then I'm praying the pain will end, is what I'm praying for. You didn't double up on your 
drugs before we started this? No. I've got to drive my son to work. I can't be loopy. Oh, yeah. Don't stop. This is true. This is true. But as soon um, as you're back. No, I can only take this thing every six hours. Ah. Oh. And I took it at noon. And what time is it now? Oh, 116. So let me see. That's another like four hours and 45 minutes before I can take it again. Yes, I'm at the I'm at the pain level of counting down the minutes until I can take the next one. That's not that's not working then. No, it's not. I think it's moving. That's the problem. For those that don't know, because we haven't even talked about it, I'm passing a kidney stone currently and I want to lay down and die. And if I could get an epidural for this. Could we get just like traveling home epidurals? Can we can we put that into thing? Because I can't at home epidurals. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So that that level of pain meds is not working. Then if after if it's if it's supposed to be a six hour medication, and after one hour you are in that much pain, then that's not working. It's I mean somebody else. Probably like a six. I mean, it's it's manageable, but I can't spend the rest of my day in the shower. That's the only place that I find any relief. But I can't be in the shower. I will wrinkle up and float away. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, that's horrible. So this is definitely HP corner, and it looks bleak over there in Kim's corner. This is not. It's not good. Sorry? Do they give you any other options? Like if A, B, and C happens, you should do D, E, and F? Or is there a point at which they say you should come back for more IV medication? Well, it's funny, you know, I was laying there this morning when the pain meds ran out at 4 a.m. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what is supposed to happen. Like if I get to a point where, you know, am I supposed to go back? I don't know. I have passed some blood, which... I'm hoping is a good sign that something's moving. It wasn't a lot. It was just like a little spot, but. So when it actually comes, leaves your body, do you know? Yes, I think I do because I think what's been happening in the past is all those times I've been having urinary tract infections for years, I think those were, and, and not registering as having a urinary tract infection, I think those were stones. So that whole feeling of having to pee and and right now I think it's still high up like it hasn't moved down into the ureters urethra no further back I think is the their urethras down low yeah Yeah. so I think it's still got to travel that distance out of the kidney yes the ureter oh you don't think it's got it's there even I don't think it's there yet. Oh, they God. gave me, they gave me two weeks worth of tortol. They don't have is faith it's coming out anytime make, soon either. Is is there not medication to make it move faster? Yeah, they gave me something called Flomax, which is it helps relax the kidneys. Um, but I only take that once a day, so I took that this morning, and I think that's one of the reasons why the the hot shower works because it relaxing my back maybe I don't know I don't know and is there anything that lifestyle wise that can make it better I don't well yes so 
I will admit over the past, I mean, I think I grow stones anyways, but when I don't look after myself and I don't stay well hydrated, um, things get worse. And that the last couple of weeks I have been looking after everybody else and I have been neglecting myself for sure. Because I, I have literally for probably a couple of weeks gotten, gone to bed and gone, shit, I have not drunk any water today. So Is it just water or is it food too? Um, they talk about eating too much calcium and, and, and stuff like that, but I don't drink milk. I barely eat cheese. Like it's, I don't eat yogurt. I don't consume a lot of calcium. So I don't think that's necessarily it. And I mean, it's not the, like you're scarfing down the dark leafy green vegetables, spinach. No, God knows that's not true. Kale. <laughs> no, I think it's like dairy products that it's that kind of calcium, not. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, I, I have it in my tea, but I mean that, you know. That's about it. Yeah. Same it's, not, it's not going to make, a, that's not going to make a big difference. So yeah, I don't know. I have to go see my, what's his name? Urologist. Urology? Yeah. Yes. Anyways, oh, seems to be, seems to be fading. So this is good. Yeah, if, good. If we, were, if we were in high school right now, I'd be like lining up with all these different pain meds for you. Because before, <laughs> before I understood what drug dealing was, my doctors used to just throw medication at me. Like they didn't want to talk about pain management and stuff like that for periods with, with kids. Um, and even though I did have a specialist, whenever I would call up because they'd want me to, to discuss any changes, they'd say, okay, let's try this pain med. And they'd just call in a new prescription and I'd go pick it up. And I had everything. I had opiates. I had narcotics. I had like, forget Toradol and naproxen. I had like hardcore opiates that were given to me. And like, I had it all. And I had it in a I had a little makeup bag that was primarily different meds, not knowing what I was doing. Everyone knew I had this problem because I would bleed out in class. So my friends who had period cramps and stuff were like, like that would just stop at my locker and say, hey, what do you have today? Here you go. This will take care of it. They've been arrested for trafficking. I have the Oxycontin like like candy. I I had so much of it. It's just someone had their period. So I gave them a pill. Well, speaking of periods, between the ages of 12, as a matter of fact, by the way, on Wednesday, November 25th, um, that's when I got my period. Saturday, November 25th. How do you remember uh, that date? Oh, fuck. I don't, I don't know why. It just stuck in my, I just remember it. And I had uh, about three months after my first period, I started, the cramps started, and I had the worst, most horrible cramps like that would leave me sweating and shaking um for that first day and you know years and years later after I had my first baby I the cramps went away I didn't have cramps anymore but during those years between like 12 and 17 I would miss like that day a day of school every month because I just could not cope with the cramps do you know that not one time my mother never even said to me here take an aspirin Not even an aspirin did that woman say, oh, poor thing here. She just tell me, like all good Jamaican mothers, go lie down. Go lie down, I'll bring you some tea. That's the answer. My mother never had period pain 
So when I had, like I was on naproxen as well for period pain um, and she never experienced period pain. So she was like, what's wrong with you? Like, you got to go to school. I'm like, mom, like I literally cannot stand up. I'm doubled over here with the cramps. I don't, I've got to go to work. You're going to school. My mom was um, also had extremely irregular periods. Like she would get a period every other month, every two months, sometimes every three months and it would be scanty and light. And so that's why it took her so long to get pregnant with my sister. And then she had this daughter who was like regular, like clockwork who had doubled over sweating cramps. And she just was like, what? Go lie down. I'll bring you some tea. And sometimes she would, and sometimes she'd forget. And so, no. <laughs> no, yep. And I would sleep for the whole entire day and wake up like in the late afternoon and I would feel better. Then I would be fine. And that would be it. So that first day was unbearable. And then it was, then it would be fine. And then it just all went away after I had a baby. And you know what? When my daughter got her period, she got the cramps. Honey, you just go into bed. Here's your hot water bottle. Here's your Tylenol. Can I get you a magazine? Fluff your pillow, blanket for you. I was not going to do what my mom did to me. I was like, you know what? What's happening to you is real. I respect that. I, yeah. I hear you. I believe yeah. you here have some chocolate like just I'm there for you <laughs> good but this is it's I think it's resulted in me to like I hear you guys taking this pain med and that pain med and I'm like ah, ah, you take, but didn't you take that yesterday but you're taking it again I'm like horrified and I think this has to do and I'm not anti-medication at all I'm on medic medication right myself but when it comes to like pain medication when I hear people taking medication for pain stuff i'm like oh i start to get a little bit nervous like well, or are you sure you take that again really oh you sh- don't take too much i'll take like i get all paranoid and i bet it has to do with the fact that my mother made me grin and bear it through my period cramps well it's funny like my dad before his death was on everything he was I don't know how he lived as long as he did with the amount of pain that he suffered in his spine and his hip he Mm -hmm. walking was a nightmare for him and he was on he was on so much medication Mm -hmm. like the heavy duty opioids and as a result my mother is like she said to me the she said, so she has hip issues. So she's had a cortisone injection for that, but it's worn off because it doesn't last forever. So she said, you know, I took, I took some, I took a Tylenol before I went to bed last night and I got a really good sleep and I didn't wake up in pain. And I go, so I'm sorry. <laughs> You're telling me that you took some pain medication and it went away. And we're talking about Tylenol. So let's be honest, it's my mother. It's probably regular strength Tylenol, which for me is like baby aspirin. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. so maybe you can take Tylenol? Like, look, mom, it's Tylenol. It's not crack. Like you can take Tylenol. She's afraid of of taking pain meds. She will not. She's like, I know, but your father. I'm like, mom, it's, you're not shooting heroin. You're taking a Tylenol. 
Yeah. For your hip. Yeah. You're fine. I, 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 do you ever have, like, I'll have full bottles of Tylenol in the house that I've got to throw out because they're expired. Isn't that cute? <laughs> That's so sweet. Or Advil or, or whatever. I often will have to, somebody will be sick, have a headache or something. And they'll be like, do we, do, do you want a Tylenol? I'm like, maybe and there's this big discussion about, do you want a Tylenol? Do you need a Tylenol? And then I'll go and I'll go, well, we don't have any. So I'm going to have to go to the store and get some. Do you, are you sure? And half the time they'll be like, no, never mind. So I have it's a large bottle. My kids. Yeah, it's filtered down to my kids where they're like, I don't know. And I'll be like, you should probably take a towel. I got an Advil. Do you want it? And that they may, if they do agree to take that one thing, it'll sit there and then it'll expire. And then I'll have to go buy new stuff the next time somebody has a headache because everybody is just like, mm. they don't feel that way about marijuana, but the <laughs> God, they, will, they will give you a big debate about taking a Tylenol. I don't really want to take a Tylenol. It's just acetaminophen. That I'll, and, you know, I guess I've passed that down to them as my mom passed it down to me, because that's the situation in this house. Like I opened the Tylenol bottle and they're all like stuck together. Cause they've all, Oh, there's oh, three you, years old. Oh, that's you get the gel caps. <laughs> or it's three years old. That's why. I just had a hard time taking gravel. The other day I took the gravel and I did it twice in one week. We'll go to sleep, gravel to help me sleep. Worked really well. So I took it again. And then I said, okay, that's it for the week. I can't take another gravel. And then the other night I go, should I take a gravel? Yeah, but you took two last week. So just suck it up and deal with it, Suzanne. So I turned over and just tried to go to sleep by myself because I just, I, I don't know. There's something, I just do it. <laughs> up, up, until, up until I bought the melatonin, I was taking gravel every fucking night. Yeah. And so immediately- It's a pandemic. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> Is it okay? Is that okay to do the? No, probably not. But I did it anyways. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't don't do that, people. Stay stay. Don't do drugs. Just just regular ordinary. Unless you're tests. in pain, and then God, Unless just I'm take the pain. medication. And I do try to encourage my clients after they have a C-section, don't skimp on the pain meds because not only are you recovering from major abdominal surgery, you, you have to take care of a baby, so you need to stay on top of that shit. And I hear myself saying it. And the other half of my brain is like, ah! <laughs> but I know I have to say it because it's the right thing to say, but I just have this, this barrier against, against it. Well, maybe yeah. you raised my kid. Cause I can't get my kids to take pills for anything. Like, again, they, they, like you have the first day of their period. That is horrendous. Like vomiting, you name it. They're, they're doing it. They're sweating. They're yeah. pacing. They cannot have. There's not a comfortable com like this position in place. Um, there's crying often. Like you're, but I'm like, just take the medication. Just take a muscle relaxant. Baby, just take the pill. Just take the pill. I'll grind it up and put it in some yogurt or applesauce for you. You know, so you don't have to chew anything and vomit again. But they refuse. It's like some rite of passage. They have. They know. They know that after the first day, they'll be okay. So really? I just, as their mother, have to be okay with them being in pain for the day. So, so is it because they don't like to swallow pills, or? Oh no! Like it. it even if I got them like dis dissolvable Tylenol or dissolvable whatever, they do not want to take it. 
they don't want to use medication at all. Huh. Yep. If, if, if I was, when I was 14 and my mom came and said, take this pill. I remember, oh, I do remember one time, remember my doll? Yep. My doll. I don't know what my doll, what was my doll? Was it like naproxen or something like that? I don't know what it was, but my doll was marketed to, uh, for period pains. And I asked her, can you get me this? And she said, no. She said, no, put it back. So my doll just seemed like some special. They still sell it. They do. They do. Like I'm picturing it in the drugstore. Well, now I don't, now now I don't have periods. And I mean, I didn't have cramps like towards my, the end of my period. So the last 10 years that I had my period, I did have cramps, but they were nothing like they had, I had when I was a teenager, but they were still pretty, like I could still go through my day, but I'd be just a little bit like low key miserable. And I still didn't take any, anything. Why did I not take something? What am I, I wish I could do it all over again. I would totally take a Tylenol or two. I would take a Tylenol if they were bad and it was like a Saturday morning and I had to teach. Then I would take it. That's my headache reasoning too. If I have to teach or if I have something to do and I have a headache, I'll take something. Otherwise I won't take anything. I'll just go lie down. Absolutely. I'll just go lie down and just let it pass and sleep and then let it pass. I just do both. I take the medication and I go lie down. Which is perfect. I can't lie down forever. I'm totally going to go stock up on some drugs and really start taking some medication now. Okay. I wanted to tell you guys a story, but I, after I got home, when I was leaving the, the ER, we are going to talk about birth at some point, but um, this story, I couldn't type it out. It was too long. So when I was leaving the, when I got discharged, I needed to have my IV taken out and it was in my hand. It was in my right hand, which sucked because I couldn't text with my thumb, but I don't, I'm not going to say it was a nurse because I actually don't think it was a nurse because I don't think a nurse would have done this. I think it might've been a med student or a resident or something, not not necessarily the most educated of the bunch and so we got but they I guess they had to take my vitals one more time before I was discharged so I went in sat in the little area where I got the IV initially and they the doctor person um, puts the blood pressure cuff on starts pushes the button for it to pump up and at the same time starts to peel away yeah starts to peel away the stuff on the IV that face so and then pulls the IV out and then pats it down and then and then tapes it and then of course the blood pressure thing registers my blood pressure and whatnot okay fine not so bad and my hand was sort of in front of me and they had the pulse ox on and she was asking me questions about something and I looked down and there's blood pouring out of this hole that she has released with the blood pressure cuff on the same hand and I'm and I'm looking at it like well I kind of knew that was going to happen but let's keep in mind I was on medication um the IV kind so it was really good (laughs) Mm. And I'm looking at it and this blood is actually pouring out. Now, of course, 
she presses on it. <laughs> it's like got the gauze and the tape. So she presses on it to get it to stop bleeding. But of course she pressed on the gauze, which had absorbed a lot of the blood. So it squirts out further down my hand. I'm going, okay, so, and I'm just sitting there thinking, it's probably not good. Like, can we stop the bleeding? And I'm yeah. very calm. So she starts to pull away and she gets some more gauze to put on. But as she's peeling away the one sort of layer of gauze that had been put down, I guess the blood had started to clot. So she pulls it out and the clot is stuck to the gauze. So she releases that clot, which looks like a string now because it's gone up my, up my vein, right? Yes. And of course, that's like, she took the finger out of the dike now and <laughs> now no, pouring again. And I'm like, like, you should have been like, I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding out. <laughs> I'm looking at it thinking, like, did you not? Yeah. I'm a doula who is absolutely non-medical. And even I knew I that that would have been a problem. She put it on and I thought, well, she's not going to take that off I mean she's just yeah. like getting the she's just peeling up the sticky stuff first before she removes it yeah. nope never never put a blood pressure cuff on an IV hand what is wrong with you yeah so I was like oh rookie rookie that is a rookie that sounds like a rookie move absolutely really rookie she move. She absolutely learned something from me. And I think I left about a quart of blood behind as I left. Thank God I wasn't driving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we. I just thought to myself that a good topic, we don't have to do it today, is to tell our grossest part of birth, like gross birth stories like that. We've done About that. Blood and have we already done that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I called it this. I called it this podcast will make you vomit. Right. So was did I tell about my my clot as big as a fist in that? I think you might have. Might have. Okay. That's my my favorite gross story about my own body. body. I've seen a lot of other gross things, but this that was the that was the best. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about the size of a small football, she said to me. Oh shit. Oh, Lord. So yeah, so if you're listening to this one and you haven't heard the others, go back and find that one. Yeah. Um, this make you vomit. This, yeah, this, that's it. That's absolutely it. Um, so we were going to rip from the headlines, which I guess was going to lead into something else. So our ripped from the headlines, we were going to talk about uh, the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, and her... Uh, op-ed piece in the New York Times about um, the miscarriage uh, she suffered in uh, July? Yes. In the summer. So I think I read it this morning. I didn't read it when it first came out. I don't know why. I just I wasn't in the space where I wanted to sort of experience what was going to be said or what I thought might be said. And I read it and I think what what struck me was two things. One was I was so pleased actually that this was information that she was able to share herself and that it didn't get plastered all over tabloid magazines that it had happened. I think that 
was, I felt happy for her for that. Um, and the other thing was when they were talking about, and I, and I saw the interview that she mentioned it, how, you know, when people don't ask you, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was, was something that really kind of struck me because I was telling you guys, <clears throat> and, and now I feel like a horrible person for doing this, but I'm not sure I was able, I would have been able to do this. But when I was in the ER, um, I only heard part of the conversation, but the doctor was explaining to her what I think was that she was experiencing, experiencing an ectopic pregnancy and that this is what was happening. And, and obviously there was going to be no baby at the, at the, as a result. And she had the papers in her hands and she was sitting sort of across the room behind me um, and was crying. And I felt awful and I wanted to go over and ask her if she was okay. And I wanted to go over and tell her that, you know, it was okay. But obviously my own pain stopped me um, and a giant cumbersome IV pole. And COVID stopped me from going over and, and expressing, you know, sympathy for her. And I think also, you know, that's, I don't think we asked people enough pre-COVID if they're okay. We just assume people are okay. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm saying, are you okay? And we didn't do it enough before, and we're certainly not doing it now. So that's my... (laughs) I'll take any comments now because I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I I just read the article um, a couple of days ago. I never, I didn't, not because I wouldn't have, I would have read it if I had seen it earlier, but I didn't even know that this had happened. It only came out a couple of days ago. Oh, but, oh, so when it happened, when the miscarriage itself actually happened in July. There was no there, announcement. There no, was this, no, this was the announcement. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm so pleased that she was able to grieve, do, you know, not that she go isn't still grieving, process. but go through the process with her family, with her partner, and and then announce it to the world on her own. And really, isn't this why they left, right? So so my first question is, do they still kept their titles, Duchess of Sussex? They still kept that? I thought that when they left... Because I saw the article, it did say Meghan Markle, Duchess of yeah, Sussex. Yeah, yeah, she's, they still hold that title. Oh, I thought that the when they, they walked away, the they walked away clean. No, they walked away from the HRH and they yeah. walked away from official royal uh, responsibilities. So they are no longer Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex. She's so just the, the Duchess of, it's a lot. So it's like because of the duties that come along with HRH, but then- there's no duties with just Duchess of Sussex? No, there isn't. There are duties, but they're not the one, they're not, it's not their job and they're not on a calendar that they don't have input into. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of duchesses walking around the world and, and the dukes fuck? walk, but they don't have, they're not royalty per se. I mean. Okay, whatever. Let me tell you something about that, that fucked up stupid bullshit nonsense. <laughs> if I, I read that article right after I finished watching The Crown. 
the last season right. four of the crown. And can I tell you how vile I feel about these people now after what I'm not by any means a fan of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> You're not gonna find me singing her praises. However, the way they treated her on that that weekend at Balmoral when she went, could they not have given her a sheet listing protocols the way that they left a sheet on the table in the bedroom? I mean, if you didn't see the episode, you know what I'm talking about, but they didn't, if you, there's all of these things that have to be observed when you are spending time with the royal family. Don't sit on that chair. Don't sit before the queen sits. If the queen's finished eating, you're finished eating. All those kind of little, small, tiny bullshit things. And if there's so many protocol, so much protocol that has to be observed, wouldn't there be protocol given to people before they come and spend a weekend with the royal family? They didn't tell her to bring outside shoes because they're all horse people horse and hunting people who like to tromp through the, which I love. I love that. Okay, but let's be real. If she didn't know that ahead of time, she's not very fucking English. Come on. Well, I don't know, man. The queen is forever being pictured in her Wellingtons and, and her, and her dark green coats. And and whatever. (laughs) Sure. Literally their country house. Like she wasn't invited to spend the weekend at Buckingham Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Yeah, she was invited to the country house, which is all like outside. Like it's all they're they're all I, I, I got it. But just like they had a piece of paper that told them dinners at this time, this is at this time, they laughed at them when they came down inappropriately dressed for yes. tea or dinner. Like they mixed something up and they and laughed at them. That was and shitty. Yeah. I think I, mean, I, I think the thing is with they I think it wouldn't have been the same if um, she'd been a man because they did not at that time, the fact that she even won, I think was probably a bit of a miracle um, and lasted as long as she did, to be quite honest. Um, Mm -hmm. But she had, she had to basically be a man. You know what I mean? Like cook dinner for the cabinet when they came to Downing street for meetings. Yeah. So I mean, that, she didn't have. They they would have treated her like that, mostly yeah. I think because she was a woman. They said they would have they would have then, set her up to fail. I I assume. But then, then what Which happened with totally Diana? Don't respect. Yeah. yeah. Then what not. happened with Diana? Oh right? yeah, don't and even get me started. Happened with Diana. Then all the shit that they did not speak about at all that happened with Sarah Ferguson and Andrew, Prince Andrew. Like they treated her. How, like- long, how many years did they go through in the Crown this season? Well, when they finished, they were. I think Andrew and Fergie were married at that point, but it was like they didn't even cover the wedding at all. They covered some shit that happened the day of the wedding, but they didn't cover the wedding at all or everything that happened leading up to it or that, you know, that Di- Fergie convinced Diana to, you know, dress up as dudes and crash the bo- bachelor party. Like, you know, things yeah. that kind of- All the good stuff. Yeah, all the stuff yeah. that created some of the dissent. Yeah, um, but I mean- them, You know, all that stuff. Everybody's a human. So nobody's yeah. perfect. Diana wasn't perfect. Sarah Ferguson wasn't perfect. Meghan Markle's not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but they made Diana's life miserable. And any people could argue that they were the cause of her death because if Charles 
loved her and treated her and she and she was still a member of the royal family she wouldn't have been in that fucking tunnel in paris on that like right her whole trajectory of her life changed because of that whole bullshit marriage and all the sham and how they treated fergie and how they continue to treat her after again she's not perfect but she's the fucking mother of your grandchildren that alone should give her some status and I know exactly why Meghan Markle and why they left because they saw that happening. I bet Harry knows exactly what, well, how could he not know? The world knows. Well, he knows how- absolutely. And, and, and I don't honestly think that this was all her. I think that they're them leaving. Yeah. You know, he's right. He was right in there. You know what? You're oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't just her saying, oh, I can't handle it. I'm, I bet that they made that decision together because they could look back and see. Yeah. Look and back when and it see happened, what happened. When it happened to him, he was like, what, eight? Like, yeah. Yeah. That, is, that, is a, that is a formidable time where you know what's going on and yet you're still, your brain is still developing yeah. and processing. Like, yes, I think William was already like 13 or something like that, but still he had an obligation and he was raised into that obligation and he knew what his obligations were. He didn't have the luxury of being able to say, I'm outie, like I can't. But Harry was like, you know what? I saw it happen to my mom. I'm not going to see it happen to this woman I love, nor do I want what happened to me to happen to my son. I don't want my son to lose his mother. So yeah, we're done. Like, this is ridiculous because let's be honest, British press, European press, they're horrible, fucking horrible. They are horrible. Ruthless and vultures. Yeah, vultures. That's exactly exactly it. And I think that Kate Middleton and William, I think the the success that is it's a fluke. I do too. It's just a fluke that she just happens to look the right way, sound the right way, act the right way. It's all just a fluke that just. Well, I mean, he let he before he when it got to the point in their relationship where it was getting serious and the next steps were going to supposedly happen that or like should have happened. They broke up, and yeah. he said, "Look, you." you have to decide if this is something like you need, you have seen or you can see, and this, Mm -hmm. you need to decide if you, if you can handle it. So they broke up for like a year or so, maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. And then I guess had the conversation where, you know, they really did love each other and they really did want to be in this together. And she made a, she made a sacrifice that, that that was what she was going to do. And that, and that was, you know, she was going to have the next. And the press likes her. Yes. So she has a kind of easy in that way, because if the press likes you, well, actually that's not true because they loved Diana and that's, that was a part of the the problem. Well, they loved her because she was a meal ticket. Who, Diana? Yeah. She was their meal ticket. Who's meal ticket? The press. Mm -hmm. Right. So. And I mean, I think, I, I don't know what the validity is of the rift between Kate and Megan or the, the brothers. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if yeah, that's- I don't know if that's real either. So, you know, if it is- 
it's I'm so sorry hard that it to, is, but so hard to say what's real and not real. What's about the fact that these people have such crazy, like the way, like all those drives that they would show, like Charles driving to go meet Camilla and there'd be a car or two cars behind him and they would have secret rendezvous, but they're not secret because they have to always have bodyguards following them everywhere they go. And I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed by, this is the one thing that, that fascinates me about the royal family or any royal family, it's just that they're the ones that are the most well-known is this public way of living, this public, like every single thing that you do is public. You can't like, somebody for sure is keeping track of the queen's bowel movements, <laughs> right? That's fucking why she's 90 something years old because every single aspect of her health and well-being is monitored. Her calories, I bet, are measured precisely. How much she eats, how much she drinks, when she shits, when she doesn't shit, when she wakes up. Somebody walks into your bedroom and opens the curtains in the morning and that's how you wake up? You don't just like fucking wake up on your own like the rest of us schlubs. You know what I mean? <laughs> the mere mortals of the world. Yeah, and to grow up like that, like she grew up as a princess and then she became the queen. Like mm -hmm. all her entire life has been that way. And, and so then all the people around her, she raised her kids that way. Like it's all, and when they show glimpses of her just being like a real person, I really like dive into that. Like I really, yes, I do too. Because she is just a person. Well, and you know what? And that was, that was when the Royal family really started to, I think, deteriorate and crumble in as far as status goes because Diana didn't want that for her kids. Diana wanted to raise her kids as children and to and yes, they were going in this direction and they were going to be the head of the monarchy and of course we get it. But she wanted them to have a life. She wanted them to have a childhood. She didn't want her child raised the way Charles was raised. Mm -hmm. Because I mean God, look how that turned out. You know what I mean? And I and obviously William has no choice. His, him, well, they, I mean, they live in Kensington. So, I mean, they live, they don't live at Buckingham Palace. So, I mean, I think they're trying to raise their, William's trying to raise his kids as normal as possible. Um, yeah. But Harry was like, shit, no. <laughs> like, I have this new little boy and he's fucking cute as hell and I love him to pieces. We're Audi 2000. Bye. Like it I, might be because they, they realized that they can only have so much of a normal life. Like William and Kate might have decided that they want a more normal life than say his father had or that he had, but they're still going to have to make huge sacrifices absolutely. in order to fulfill their responsibilities. And Harry probably said, mm, the amount of sacrifices that we would have that we would have to do, we're not willing to do, so we're out of here. And that, and so makes me think then, so when, when Diana was like brought in, is there not a, like a, a course that they can give people to say, listen, darling, this is how it's going to be. When you have children, you're going to have to leave them for months at a time. You're going to have a team of governesses caring for them. You're going to have to squash down your maternal instinct because you're the princess of Wales. And this is how it has to be. It feels like nobody talked to her about it and said, this is how it's going. They just expected her to just well, and I, and I think that's what they expected because that's the way it's always been. 
because yeah. that's the way it had always been. This is so they just assumed that if she was going to get into this, she was just going to fall in line like the rest of them. And that is not what happened. And that's not fair then, because even though she was a part of the aristocracy, she was already Lady Diana. She was already yeah. a part of the aristocracy. She's lower down on the pole, but yeah. Yeah, she wasn't royalty, but she was, she grew up around that yes. sort of thing. But there was no way that she could possibly have known the deep, deep, like if Anne even had sat down with her and said, listen, this is the shit. If Margaret had sat down and said to her, listen, this is how it is. And I know you're in love with Charles, but here we go. And this is what, it, this is how it's going to be. But no, they, they all saw her as perfect and they wanted to hurry up yep. and get Charles uh, breeding Yes, and, and all set up properly and forget this Camilla nonsense. And so she was their meal ticket too. And because she was 19, they thought they could manipulate her in that way. And that it's such a tragic story. It's it is a tragic story. A horrible tragic story. And oh my gosh, it made me dislike them so, so, so much. I did love um, how we got to see when she, you know, through through the bulimia, through all the other things, you know, we all have a our vice for when our stressors are high. And that became that her became obvious that that was hers. Um time and again but it was amazing how even just watching it I hate to say through the news but as a kid growing up watching this unfold watching the person she became when she started doing um so much of the work around landmines and the work around um HIV and HIV and going to all the places where basically before she was told you can't and she said well watch me yeah. um and that she stayed at those places. She didn't just stop for a visit. She would literally like move there for a week to find out the inner workings to find so that the press would pay attention to her. And her cause. And in turn would pay attention to the cause. And the people who loved her would, would pay attention to the cause. And so she used her, her celebrity. She used her position, not so much to go around telling people what to do, but to inform people. She you know, grew into that power actually very well. The problem was is with them, with the royal families, they created a monster. They thought that they could manipulate her. They created what she became. Yes. So, and then regretted every minute of it. Yeah. So how did we get here? We were talking about maybe- We were talking Michael. about a miscarriage and <laughs> suddenly we got all royalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, 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 like As I you say, said, I think amazing that Meghan Markle was able to go through what she went through over the summer with losing her baby. And then she was able away from all of the eyes, how different it would have been if they had been in England still ensconced in all of that. No, she, Whatever. she would have been, she would have been filmed leaving the hospital. Like it, she would have been filmed like minutes afterwards without her consent. Like it's one thing for Chrissy Teigen to say, look, this is, this is visual evidence of what I've been through. And mm -hmm. as part of my healing, I am going to share it with you. And I want you to know entire world that this is something that happens and it is something that we need to talk about and I am grieving it and you can still tell in her posts and whatnot that she's still grieving it obviously 
yeah. it, do, it doesn't it go away quickly. Choice. Sorry, it was her choice. It was her choice. That was her choice. But with the British press, that you would have gotten pictures yeah. of this grieving mother Everything. without her consent, and that's the issue that I have. That is what I think is terrible, and that is why I think, you know, the fact that she did was able to go through that and now bring forth that this is what happened kudos to her and 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 for being able to do that and then that quote that she said that are you okay thing i remember that interview when somebody asked her if she was okay and she said no i felt that in my core you could see she was on the verge of tears this was a public pregnancy a public birth yet nobody had asked her if she was okay everybody just wanted to look Everybody yep. just wanted to see what they look like, hear about what they're doing, but nobody cared about whether what these people are feeling inside. No, you're, it's like a zoo animal. You're just, it is you're, zoo. it's voyeurism. Yep. And um, that's what struck me is like, what do you mean nobody asked you if you're okay? You're surrounded by people every day, all day. The whole I know. world is your life and nobody, and you could see she was telling the truth. And Nobody's I mean, if I was okay. she's not that good of an actress. Let's be honest. So <laughs> it's not her I mean, strength. If, if I had been, you know, one of her ladies in waiting or whatever they are, the people that like look after, you know, you just, you can't touch them or anything, but it's like, are you okay? Is yeah. there something I can do for you? Is there something I can get you? Yeah. And you just, and cause you know, I mean, as a doula, you would be able to say it in a way that would, that would get the floodgates open, right? <laughs> the way you say it, but yeah. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with that system? What it's, is wrong? Yeah, What's with wrong that, with that system? Where you are surrounded by people 24 seven. And yet utterly alone. All your needs are taken care of 24 seven. Yet you feel like nobody cares about how you feel. How, how is that even possible that nobody in that gang in that gaggle of people around you put their hand on her hand and said how are you feeling sweetie are you all right yeah come on yeah and that's why they left absolutely yeah because they saw that they saw something's wrong with this system and listen you know something it ain't my job to fix it we can't fix it in our lifetime Let's get out of here because we have a kid to raise and maybe we'll have more kids and I'm not willing to sacrifice them for, for that. No, because that system is a system and it doesn't care about you. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that William might have been trying to convince his brother to stay inside that system that they could do it. Trying to convince them that, yeah, you can do it. You can still be like a normal person and still be, you know, a successor to the throne, like really close to the, mm -mm. not no, with the British, no, I mean, not with the British paparazzi around. Not this, no. not this system. No, there's too many layers. I mean, even if you fix the system, you can't fix the press system that's there. Right. Yeah. So the daily mail is going to want their slice of flesh. Mm -hmm. And with Everything her, with her miscarriage, had she had it over there, not only would they have filmed her coming and going, there's a, I mean, they have their fingers inside the hospitals. It would not be uncommon for them to get a picture of her, you know, you know, hospital room, like butt showing or something like that, or, or even her hospital uh, records. 
Right? Yes. Even, you know, we look at um, when Diana passed and for a short period of time, some people posted pictures of her on the gurney in the hospital. It's like, what, why? Yeah. And they were taken down very quickly. Um, like still... they were taken out of, out of circulation very quickly, but it's like, why would you do that? And it's because yeah. you got paid to do it. That's why. Somebody, somebody was paid millions of dollars to take that photo and sell it. Yeah. And that's why, that's why they have no privacy. Yeah. So the the question of, are you okay? I mean, that's what she always, she came back to and how we, we need to ask that question and even more important. And Suzanne, this, when I read this, I actually thought of you because we had a talk recently about being quote unquote strong or unfailable, unfailing, um, and and then it that made me think of how I saw my mom. And as soon as she was, my mom was not okay. I was not okay with her being not okay. And I got quite irate with my mother being not okay. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, you can't change the dynamic. This is who you've told me to be all of these years. Yeah, you, you can't change now. <laughs> exactly. Which is kind of what my kids are saying, which is kind of what my kids are saying to me now. Um, hello, no, too late. You can't go be vulnerable now. It's too late. So you gotta keep it up, maintain it forever. Well, it's funny. When yeah. I took when I took my uncle to his last breathing test last month. Last month. Um his doctor looked at me and she said are you okay? And the floodgates, not my doctor, the floodgates were like, creak, creak, creak. I'm like, like, yep, I'm I'm fine. I'm okay. Like with my eyes bugging out of my head going, I'm okay. They're not, I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, You know, basically don't ask me that. Like, please don't ask me that. And, And all I'm thinking is, I don't want him to know and I got to drive home and my mother will be downstairs and she'll be upset <laughs> if her isn't baby's crying. You, isn't that what you do? You kind of do all those calculations in your head and say, yes. nope, this is not a safe time. This yep. is not a yep. safe time to let go. So yep. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as a result, unfortunately, I've been like that for so many years now, like seven um I've been like that for you know that many that much time that I think I've lost the ability to cry oh well listen you better I mean I can I can get a little bit weepy like I did this morning at 4 a.m in the in the shower um but it never it never developed into the all-out bawling that I kind of felt like I needed, yeah, but it never came. You and need then, to figure, find that. I still do that. I cry almost every single day and I'm still maintaining that, that facade of, I can do everything to, you know, the people in this house, but I totally 100% cry every single day. I don't need, and I allow myself to, even if it is simply because I watched like a uh, something touching And I like myself to just like get right into it. And I know that those tears are not just about that Kleenex commercial, that it's about other, other stuff. And I just let it happen because I, I, otherwise I'm going to 
implode. I fear that if I start, I won't stop. You'll stop. It might be far longer than you think, but you might, will eventually Might be a few stop. weeks ago, a few weeks away. <laughs> yeah, but you'll have to go pee or the phone will ring. You'll stop. You stop you'll become dehydrated and your kidney stones will <laughs> yeah. act up. All the tears, all the fluid comes out of your body and you will stop. You will. I'm never afraid that I'm not going to stop because I know, or sometimes it's in the shower or whatever. I cry all the time because if I don't, I'm going to implode. I won't explode. I will implode. And let me tell you what a fantastic naturopath appointment I had on Wednesday because we even talked about that stuff. We even talked about that. It was like a therapy session that had to do with health, every aspect of health, top to bottom, inside and out. And wow, I could, it was the best money I've ever spent. And I feel so supported and taken care of by this healthcare provider who I spent just two, I spent two hours, two and a half hours with her. And I got more of that two and a half hour visit than I did with my own family doctor who has been my doctor for 33 years. Right. It's like looking at all the pieces of the puzzle. How often do you cry? Like who asks you that? Somebody who wants to know if you're okay. One was your high, what was your highest weight? Because we're talking about weight, part of the conversation. So I told her what was going on in your life at that time? What was your lowest weight as an adult? What was going on in your life at that time? Who, who, who asks you that? Was my doctor my, who's been taking care of me and my diabetes for 15 years, all he ever does is look at my um, numbers and never tells me them and then just uh, rewrites my, refills my prescription, refills my prescription. No discussion about how can we get you better? How can we get you off these medications? None of that, none of that. When these people that I'm working with now, this doctor is two doctors, a medical doctor and a naturopath, they have that goal in mind. My optimal health is their goal. Not just make sure that you keep all your patients alive. Make sure nobody dies under your watch. They have a higher goal than that. My optimal health. And that's the difference with care providers. Some of them just want you to just not die. And some of them want you to actually thrive. (laughs) Some some want want to keep you alive and some want to keep you living. (laughs) Right. So, wow. I don't know if all naturopaths are that good. I mean, you deal with Lisa, Lisa Doran, Steph. I've cried in her office numerous times. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, you, you will sing her praises too. Um, And I've taken my son to Lisa and she was awesome and amazing. This naturopath just happens to be a part of this clinic that I'm going to. So I went to see her and I was blown away with everything that I said that day, what she asked me. It was so thorough. I felt exhausted by the end of it. Whoa. I poured out everything to her and it was great. So and you, you needed that. You, you needed all of that nurturing and all of that care. And I think we don't, we forget that we need it. And then we forget to prioritize surrounding ourselves with someone who helps create that in ourselves. So you guys all know that I moved to Mississauga a couple of years ago and Mm -hmm. I left all of my nurturing people behind in the East end, like people who I have created these relationships with 
not just for myself. You know, I take my children to them. I take my husband to them. Um, and so a little while ago, um, right after, actually it was the, my first doctor's appointment after my surgery. Mm-hmm. I had gone, driven back to Ajax for something and I made an appointment to see my chiropractor, uh, Dr. Karen Beal. And it, for anybody who goes there, they understand what we're talking about here. I walked in and she you know, took my arm at first and like rubbed my forearm and as we walked into the room and uh, she, she turned me around to face her and she asked me, so are you okay? And she, she like touched my shoulders while she did it. And then she, before I even got to answer, she had held me in an embrace and I did, I broke down in the big ugly cry and she just kept holding me. Even when I thought the hug was done, she held on just that little bit longer and then sat down beside me on the chiropractic table. And yep. like, so you're not okay right now. And so we're gonna breathe. And we, before we even got to adjusting or anything like that, she had me lay on my back and we did some diaphragmic breathing together. So she's like, you're so shallow, you're not gonna relax into the, getting the chiropractic treatment if you can't exhale. And so we went through all of these nurturing things first before she ever laid a hand on me as a chiropractic adjustment. Um, and I felt so, ner- like I felt emotionally like ragged 20 yeah. minutes later leaving, walking out because she had unlocked all of these things where I, I had been doing exactly what you said, Kim. In my head, I was like, no, I got this to do and this to do. So no, I can't do that. I can't I don't do know, that. I break it over now. And then I hit the, then I hit Karen and Karen's like, whoa, whoa, no, you're not getting past me, bitch. We're, we're going to let this out today. <laughs> she's like, you can't dodge me. <laughs> and so she turned the faucet on um, somewhat without my permission, just by being nurturing. Um, and I wonder if maybe I avoid, it, avoid going because it's like, do I have the emotional energy to let that out right now? Because there's the aftermath of being, are you okay? And yes. then determining you're not okay and making time for that. And then afterwards, you have all these feelings that you've had in check for a bit or you've had filed away in that file drawer that you're trying to slam closed and it's pressing open and disorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it's a good thing. It, it really is a good thing. And obviously much needed. If I was- so needed. Well, isn't that, I mean, as doulas, we, I mean, put your thumbs away. I'm just saying we mother the mother, not using gender or anything like that. But even after our babies are grown, we still need that care. We still need, we can't do this all on our own without, it it comes, it's top down, right? Like if we're going to be giving to somebody, where's it coming from? Like the teacup, it's all got to spill out, but it has to come from somewhere first. So where's yeah. it coming from? Where's it coming from, from a 50-year-old single mother? Right. And I was just going to say, we our lives are so different now than two, three generations ago. And those women back then would look at us and, and really ask themselves, what's wrong with us? Yep. Right? If they would, if they saw us the way we marched through our lives, they would really say, "What's wrong with us? Why do you need to cry? Why do you need to do this? You know why? Because they had that shit built in." I keep saying this over and over. I, in so many part aspects of life, we don't have each other anymore. So 
what if we all lived in a village together, like a little small village, like your house and my house and Stephanie's house and all on our families and everything all together. You wouldn't have to go through anything alone. And we congregated, no we congregated once a month in the red tent. <laughs> Right, exactly. Not even once a month, not even once a month. We prepared our meals together. We depended on each other to survive, right? And so we had to do things together on a daily basis in order to just stay alive. We needed each other. Like we were like, our lives were like this. Now our lives are like this. And a 54, hey, 54, I'm gonna be 54 on Tuesday. A 54 year old woman living alone with her adult children with my mother thousands of miles away my sister tens of miles away and all my female relatives all scattered all over the place is a weird anomaly that would never be a situation you know generations ago I wouldn't have to bear the, let's say my husband died or he, I don't know, he went off to a, somewhere else and left me. I would never have to bear the brunt of that by myself. There would be people around me in every way supporting yep. me and my just, children. Just as you would have supported them. Right? right. Because that's how we all would live together. So now here we are in this life, so many of us alone. And even if you're in a loving marriage like you are, Stephanie, to it's still still unusual for that one nuclear family to be existing like all alone so whatever family problems you have in your family you and roger have to deal with it here it's not like you call on his parents and your parents and everybody gets together like a clan to lift up whatever issues you might be having your you and your husband or your children might be having now we're all expect to be independent we're all expected to be independent and forge our own way and it's not normal it's no, and that's why it's it. hard and it's not just that we are taught that we should value that Mm -hmm. yeah that, that we're only valuable if we are if we're able to swore this path like forward on our own you're a self-made man and all of those and hustle things, these, new, these new modern values have popped up and i think that they're not good for physical health mental health family dynamics or anything it's all and so i'm realizing now i was great as like a baby and toddler kind of mom i don't feel like i'm a great adult a mother a good great mother to my adult children i feel a little bit out of sorts in that department and there's nowhere for me to turn for that mm -hmm. there's nowhere because yeah. their father and i are divorced so it's not like we can get together to say i don't know what the fuck do you do with this 21 year old like what are, what are, there's none of that no. there's no group there's no sitting around in a in a morning circle with my other female people drinking coffee that we ground ourselves. Eating your laundry against the rock. That's right. Where I would say, you know what he did yesterday? And they'd say, well, and then everybody would commiserate together. And I would feel supported and helped to come back into my own little space to deal with it. There's none of that. So now we're we're left to this place where. Steph, you just had like major surgery and you fall apart in your chiropractor's arms. Who the fuck is a chiropractor? Yeah. <laughs> That's like somebody so far out of your, you've had to create that circle. That includes yeah. naturopaths, doctors, chiropractors, therapists, friends. And, and how so far to get to it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, 
Yes. Yes. Back in when I lived out there, she was part. She's my chiropractor, but she's also part of my parent group. Like she was at La Leche League leader uh, meetings. She would hold uh, drop-ins for for new parents at her office, where you could literally just come sit down. She'd make sure there was like water and coffee and um, like, just just you know, yeah. or. And she was always, when things moved to kind of like online, she was always making sure that people had updated information and stuff. So she was part of my um, parenting group really. And she, you know, was active with my midwifery group and the midwives in that group also were kind of active in the community and um, held events and, or just, you could literally pop in and say, hey. And there was always someone kind of in a midwife who was on the side, you could sit down and say, hey, how you doing? Um, Like it, it was very, Back when, like, so when my second two were small, when I was in Ajax, it was, there, there was a sense of community there um, and someone was always around. And you, yeah. so it was, and my, going to my chiropractor not, was not like going to my family doctor. If I went to my chiropractor, like, you know, half the people in the waiting room I knew. It just feels like as I move through life, as I get older, my children get older that sense of that sense of community and support is slowly unraveling and dispersing and especially now with COVID where I'm not even getting together with my sister and my cousins which is something that I used to be used that I was like built in part of my life even if it was just every other month at book club we all would get together and be like how are you what's going on and then we would talk about the book and it would feel so it would fill me up so much and now we don't have even that anymore so it feels like all of my I'm, I'm feeling more and more alone and I've been lonely for a long time because I've been alone for a long, a long time in terms of like no partner and all that. But my, all my like other support systems feel like they're slowly like winking out almost because none of my, I used to be a part of La Leche League and at least once a month we would get together and you could talk with those people and you had that and would fill you up and, you know, and maybe I'm, as I'm thinking now, maybe people who are religious people who don't have church anymore, because I know my mom used to say that that's what, she used to go to church and she was still feel filled up to face the week and she doesn't have, slowly, slowly, they're starting to have that back again. But that's how I'm kind of feeling because there is nowhere to go. There's my situation is so unique, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're, you can't go to the late league anymore. Everybody nope. there has babies and little kids. Where, where do you go for somebody like me? You've got to build that thing up for yourself and you've got to just figure it out for yourself. Where do, you know, and it's not about dating or dating apps or any of that bullshit. It's about, where's that community that community that community support where you can't so you don't feel like you've got to hold your tears in and engage whether this is a safe place to let go the the urgency of that isn't there as much because because you have this place where you can just be yeah and I think that everybody needs to create it somehow it's a hard job and I don't even have the answers about how but self-care this is a part of self-care yes we gotta drink more water and get more sleep and eat more vegetables but you paying attention to the people who you're surrounding yourself with and how you're getting that emotional top up how are you getting your emotional top up that's the question so don't what is the solution you don't know it that you don't need it because everybody needs it you need an emotional top up. So recently, 
I think a bunch of people felt exactly the way you feel, Suze. So many, many years ago, I belonged to a baby wearing group called Koala Mamas. This is like way back, like way back. And um, recently- You're Back when your babies weighed less than 20 pounds? Yes. <laughs> um, and really it started as just some like-minded parents who were looking to, you know, be surrounded by other like-minded parents who, you know, and everyone's kind of central thing was they enjoyed baby wearing. You know, it was kind of, uh, that was back in the days of the ring, what's that, what was that? Heart to heart ring sling, remember heart those? Heart to heart rings? oh yes, I know it well. Um, and so that was great and it emerged and eventually went to like Yahoo groups and all of that shit. Um, well, just recently I got an invite to a Facebook group because eventually we all evolved and people kind of became friends on Facebook and then everyone's communities got bigger and it all fell out. Like it just, people stopped communicating because your kids got older, right? We weren't, we certainly weren't baby wearing them anymore. Um, and then I got this thing called the KM reboot and invite to it. And the person who founded it, who invited all of us to it was basically saying exactly what you said, Suze. What do we do now with these teen and adult children? I, I'm feeling lost without like a physical place to go to sit down where our whole purpose really is the same thing. And that's being well with the decisions we're making for our kids, with our kids, and that letting go that so many of our decisions really don't matter to our kids. Because um, we used to physically be able to get together for that and we can't anymore. And we really, there was a big chasm you know, this big well that happened when everyone dropped out, but they've called everybody back to this Facebook group saying, well, where do we go from here? How can we do this again? Now, obviously it's COVID. So we're not all getting together at someone's house while someone bakes goods and at least one person has an emotional breakdown. But I mean, that's often what our meetings would look like is someone would be there supposedly about trying out a new carrier, but really what's happening is their, their marriage was falling apart um, or they'd had a miscarriage or, you know, or things were financially hard. And so everyone brought you know, some extra canned goods or extra soup that time because someone spread the word in the group that, you know, financially things were a little harder at the time. We don't have it right now. So I was really happy to see that come through and to see that a lot of the questions I had going through my head, I wasn't the only one having those same questions going through my head, feeling like, like I didn't have that firm, firm floor underneath me. So maybe... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, in person, we can't really do much right now, but we can reach out maybe specifically with very specific people and create an online community of people you actually know mm -hmm. where yeah. you feel like you can ask those questions. Mm -hmm. There's groups for everything else. There's groups for doulas. There's, you know, groups for people who like boots. There's groups for people who love muscle cars. Why not have a group for people with, with teens and young adults where you're just and people that you trust. Well, and yeah. that's the big thing is people that you trust. Because unfortunately, there are mom groups on Facebook and they're all horrible. Yes. They're not yeah. supportive in any way, shape or form. No, I, I don't find them supportive even remotely. I've left a couple of them just from sheer pissed offedness <laughs> of going, you people are cracked. <laughs> I, 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 I love Facebook groups, but and I belong to like a few good ones. And I'm not talking about doula groups either. Um, I belong to a couple of sheepoo groups. They're great. 
are people who have sheep poop puppies. They're so much fun and everybody's so nice. And there's like thousands of people all over the world with just these dogs. And sometimes people are just like, just show me your puppies. Everybody just post a picture. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. It, those, are, <laughs> those are fun. Um, Maybe the groups just need to be very almost micro specific as opposed to mom group because you have there's too yeah. many polarizing factors and and too many variations 100%. of moms yeah 100 that is why so many there's so many very people of varying backgrounds and 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 um they they come from all over the world the only thing we have in common is that we all have a dog of this particular mixed breed that's it and that's all we like people do not talk about other things and i yeah. love it my bulldog, my bulldog group is the same. Nobody talks about other things. We only talk about our dogs. And I, and that is a real source of soothing comfort for me. I go there and I really and truly feel relaxed scrolling through everybody's pictures. People asking questions like, do you feed your puppy two times a day or three times a day? Or do you use a crate <laughs> or not? And I'm like right into it. And it makes me forget all the other bullshit in my life. So that's a good recommendation. Find something that you're into. If it's crocheting, find a crochet Facebook group where all people talk about is crochet, not politics, not COVID, not anything else, just that topic. And it's belong to a couple of, I belong to a couple of ghosty Facebook groups and abandoned house, houses, Facebook groups. Perfect. Abandoned houses are fucking fascinating going through hello them. do you listen to spooked i have no told you i listen look, look i listened to one and it didn't grab me keep listening some okay. of those stories are dumb but some of them are there's some of them that have lived with me since i heard them oh no okay i'll keep i'll try again yes you gotta keep listening because there's some really there's this one but this irish social worker helping this little boy through and oh you gotta listen to that one. Okay. Oh my god okay <laughs> yeah there's some really really good ones because it's every pe different people so that's so, what yeah so you're, yeah one. you're looking at pictures of puppies and i'm looking at pictures of like decrepit old abandoned houses going oh my god look at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might want to get into that i might want that facebook group link yeah so this was not a very birthy podcast but no we took you um this was a uh unloading we hate the royal family on, well, for we me, asked anyway. if we asked if we were okay yeah. <laughs> and this is are this is what okay? vomited camp this is what vomited out and if you are not okay find a way to make yourself okay now i understand where people have therapists somewhere yeah. they can go and there's your safe place there's your safe hour to yeah. let it all out and so. if you're a dog person go join a dog group and if you're a cat person go join a cat meme group like yeah it, it really is good to put those things in place because we are bombarded constantly by things that remind us that we are less than or that drain us. So we really have to consciously go out right now, take one thing you love and go find a group for it. Yes. I think that's a great, a great idea. There's your takeaway. There's your take home from this podcast. Go find something that you love. Go find a Facebook group about and follow and join it. And find Instagram accounts that deal with that thing and join them because you will love scrolling through those pictures when you're feeling sad. Trust me. Sometimes yeah. I only look at all my houseplant accounts on Instagram and just like you put hashtag houseplants and that you'll see like 
5,000 accounts. And then you just scroll and scroll looking and you totally zone out and you forget that you don't have enough money to buy groceries this week or whatever your problem is. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. So next week is our 100th episode. Oh we have no fucking idea what we're doing. <laughs> Holy crap. Look, so you're, you're going to hear this podcast on Monday. We're going to record on Thursday. In between, in those four days, if you have an idea of what we should do, yeah. you better like give us a call, drop us an email. Or, or shoot us an email and tell us, you know, yes. how we've helped you if we have. Even yes. if we haven't helped you, have we made your life even remotely better in any way? Or have yeah. we totally sent you off the deep end and you're going to sue us? Like, just let us know. Like, let us know so we can communicate with us. For God's so sake, communicate with us. The pragmatic doulas at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Facebook. We have a Twitter, just but whatever. Hit us up. Okay. Yeah, let us know. And we'll read your shit. We'll we read will. your shit right here. You'll hear your name. We promise. Absolutely promise. Yeah. We 100%. Promise. 100%. And, all right. All right. And remember, we're reading the red tent. Red the, tent. The thing is January? Is January, January 7th? Yeah, that sounds know. familiar. Yeah. If that's the Thursday. Um, yes. All right, good. So if you're going to read the red tent, read it come and help us out with the with the with the book club i mean we've got like a hundred over a hundred people listen or download or whatever where so are you, you people be, you be Talk that star carissa should not be carrying this fan club all on her own shoulders <laughs> oh no, come on I'm tired she got other things to do give her some competition yeah yeah. Uh, or a rest. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a rest. Give the woman a break. Her pragmatic doula duties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we or should. Sam. We haven't... We're like, Sam. Sam can't do it all on her own either. Maybe, maybe we should um give Carissa like an official role. She's the she's the the audience, like you know, they have like people who rouse up the audience. Yeah, what is she's that? Sure. She's like the opening act. She's the You're a handler. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. Give her, make sure you tell her that it doesn't pay anything. Doesn't pay anything. No, you're probably not going to get anything it for it. Times, it pays 10 times what we get. Absolutely. 10 times what we get. <laughs> A big fat zero. Yeah. Yeah, so seriously, okay, people, we do this uh-huh, because we love you. We're not getting paid to do any of this. We're just like not sitting well. down once a week. People, people are always information me, out. So- are you making money from that podcast? Nope. <laughs> Are you making any money from the podcast? I'm it's like, no. It is a labor of love. It's a labor of love. That's why we yeah. do it. That's right. Because so. we love doulas. That's why we do it. And I get all the payment I need from the, the feeling of warmth in my heart after we record every episode. You're, we're filling the cup. <laughs> all right. All right. We love you. Good Friday. Stay so. safe. And happy Thanksgiving to our people in the States. Wear a mask. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving, even though it's over. What? Isn't Um, it done? It was was yesterday. So now that the day after they give thanks, they're going to go and um, spend a lot of money for spread COVID around and spread COVID a little bit. Nice. 
the gift that keeps on giving. Um, all right, stay safe, wear a mask, please wash your hands, please stay six feet from people, please take this shit seriously, and be kind to one another, I implore you. All right, we love you. Bye. All right, bye. Bye.